Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Reluctant Cruise podcast, a Los Angeles-designated essential service. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Brian, and with me is Steve. Google Chrome is better than Internet Explorer. Facts. <laughs> we can explore that later after we finish talking to Slash. Yay, it's One Piece. You can edit this in at some point. I was laughing because I made a joke about the McRib. Everyone should go eat a McRib. Sponsor the podcast, McRib. Everyone, go drink a shrub or Nesquik. Go collect the stimulus checks we'll send you. Since we're an LA service, we'll, we'll protect you, right? That's how that works. Anyway, okay, that's the intro stuff. There you go. We're just racking them up. McDonald's, specifically the McRib, <laughs> Canada Dry Bold, specifically Canada Dry Bold. And we're going to, this is a long shot, but we'll see if we can make it happen. Nesquik. All right. Well, yeah, that's, uh, it's been a weird year. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, honestly. I was going to try to say something else topical, but I can't. It's all just kind of blurring together now. Honestly, yeah. It's December 10th, 2020. Yes. DCM. College football is still happening now, like the regular season, not even like bowl games. It's very weird. Yeah. Regular season during December. Nickelodeon. Anyway. Yeah, one piece. We'll figure this out. I'll make something fucking work. <laughs> Just like the fucking McRib, we'll mash it all together. I don't care if that's but yeah. it mashed together so, with my stomach. Wait, did we figure out an order? Like who the hell's doing which episode? Just just for the sake of I'll do the first let's one. see if we'll do this for sure. We're doing it live. It's been a few weeks. Don't call it a comeback. No. <laughs> God damn it. All right. Yeah. Okay. We can do that now. Fuck it. What do you What do you want to do? Leave it in. I called the first one. You guys get to see how this goes down right now. Oh, you're going to do the first episode? Okay. I'll do... I would like to. Because that's the one I think uh, I I'll do the, the last one. For. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. In that case, why don't you take it away, Slash? Guess I will. So, you're on episode 43, and we have reached the climax of Arlong Park, and the rough translation is the end of the Fishman Empire. Nami is my friend. And I'll talk about why that title is a little goofy for a second or why I think it deserves a little bit of a better context. But you pick right back off. Those of you who forgot from last time, Arlong and Luther going at it. Arlong is turned on his evil fishman Sharon Gone Eyes. And he's just like, nah, I'm after this guy. He's got his big giant shark sword. He's just going wild. And then we as we left them, we left them in the map room where Nami was working. That's where she toiled away. For all these years and just uh you know lived lived her tough life trying to survive amongst the Arlong pirates and Luffy's like oh shit what's this and then that's where uh that's right where we pick off so Luffy starts to kind of look around the room as Arlong is like yeah this is the map room like these are all my maps I had Nami draw for me 
these are very valuable, like her skills are obviously valuable, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, this is all part of my ambition. You know, like I'm gonna use her skills to help me advance to the top. And then Luffy is like kind of not paying attention at all. Even though Arlong is like, yeah, I've got this guy trapped. He came up to the top floor and there's nothing to really do here. But Luffy's just kind of trying to take it all in and observe the room. And I think he starts to put together like what the room is. And like as they're going back and forth, Arlong is like, yeah, Nami draws for us. You know, she provides this service. At the same time, like I acknowledge her talent and she's our friend. So running theme and something that I guess like we can dig into later as we kind of want to talk about it because they use this as the series kind of just goes along. The loose word that they, or the variation of the word that they use for friend is called nakama. That's like a, a word that more or less like loosely translated has like a slightly stronger inflection to like describing someone as a friend, you know, like a comrade more so. So at least to my knowledge, that's how an older fan sub of the show kind of described it in the notes as like a distinction from like different words used for like friendship and connection. One Piece very heavily likes to use the word nakama to imply like a certain type of like unique connection. And so that's the word that Arlong uses when he says a friend, quote unquote. And then at the same time, Luffy's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? She's our navigator. And they just kind of go back and forth. And he just starts to go off on a tangent again. He's like, no, you're wasting Nami's talent. Like, I know that she can like help me achieve my ambition of, you know, helping fishmen remain strong and conquer the seas. But, you know, as that is going on, Luffy then starts, you know, looking at the room and he sees her, her, I guess, her drawing desk. And then he noticed that one of her pens that she would use, most assumedly, is covered in blood, which, you know, gives off the implication that, you know, she's when she works and draws maps, she's being worked to the bone and she is not happy with it. You know, there's there's a lot of implications to it, but basically... When you take a test or you're studying or you're writing, if you're writing and then you're writing or using your writing utensils so hard to the point that your hands start bleeding and you're just being like work beyond belief, that shit ain't normal. So at the same time, Luffy just kind of sits down and starts to think as he picks the pen off the floor and is like having these thoughts about it. And all of a sudden he swings his giant shark sword down to Luffy's head and Looks like he's about to, you know, catch his head between two of the big teeth. But as Luffy kind of sets the pen down and realizes what's going on and kind of absorbs more of, I guess, the details of the room, he puts his hand on one of the teeth that are in front of his face. And all of a sudden, Arlong tries to pick up the sword. And he's like, wait, what the fuck? The sword's not moving because Luffy is just so angry about the realization of what's going on. He gets the part of the sword in his hand and he just snaps it off. And Arlong is kind of taken back by that. But... As this is happening as well, everyone outside is just like, what the hell's going on in that room? I mean, like, Nami knows what room that is. Like, that's her map room. But everyone's just like, oh, is Luffy going to be okay? But yeah, even after that, Arlong thinks it's just Luffy showing off. He keeps going off about how, like, she's our Nakama. And she's going to, you know, be our tool to use for the fishermen. And her skills are, like, mine to be used however I want. And then Luffy just gets sick of hearing this because he knows it's not what he would define as the true meaning of that word. And then the first thing he does, instead of going after Arlong at this point, he kicks her desk out the window. Like, he just gives a big old like, stamp and kick as he, like, stands up and moves away from the sword for a second. And Arlong's just like, what the hell? And then Luffy proceeds to, instead of just fully attacking Arlong, just tear apart the room 
And as this is happening, Nami sees the desk and her other old study materials start to fall out the window. And at first you might think, oh no, she is, she might have this feeling of, you know, regret, like, you know, that's all the work she put into working up there. But at the same time, as the desk is falling, you get some flashback moments where she just kind of has little glints of like, that's when Arlong left her there. You know, that was the first thing that she saw in terms of like her relationship with the Arlong pirates and how that, um, that led to her being abused and taken advantage of by them and even times when she maybe would try to fight back or you know do anything to get out from under their thumb she would just get punished for that too so at the end it's actually more of an acknowledgement by luffy that it as he actually ends up saying to arlong a moment later that he's like all right you know like i don't care about all the maps in this room and stuff like the problem with Nami right now is that she's tied to this room and this is where she needs to be if she's working for you guys. So if that's the case, I'm going to destroy this place so she won't have to come here again. And Arlong starts to get mad because there's just like stacks and stacks of maps. Stacks that are like as tall as him for scale. He's a big old fisherman guy too. It's, it's nothing to joke about. But yeah, all his maps, everything, Luffy's just starting to tear it all up and he's getting annoyed by it. And as this is happening though, you cut to a scene outside where everyone's just kind of watching this go down and like seeing the insides of the room just come to the outside. And as we cut back in, it cuts to a shot of it looks like Arlong is almost like taking a bite out of Luffy's neck, but he dodges it in just a way that, you know, it's, it looks like he should probably just be biting his whole neck off, but I guess rubber powers, we can just kind of leave that for what it is right now. But he gets out of that by quickly dodging that and then also using his hands behind his head, Luffy just toughing it out gets a good grip on Arlong's big old razor snout that he has. It's kind of like a swordfish sticking out. And he uh, kind of breaks his nose pretty much. It's really weird. And then that gets him to uh, take off his bite. Then they have one final, I guess, show of power against each other where Arlong straightens his nose out. And he gets back in and goes through his big old rotating fish spinning attack. But then Luffy's like, I'm sick of Nami being here. We need to, you know, destroy this place once and for all. And so instead, he does his giant, I think it's translated to like axe kick, where he he slams his foot way up in the sky. And as Arlong's about to come in and, you know, hit him with the spinning attack, he gets a bite on him. But Luffy slams his foot down right into him and boom, knocks him all the way down through five floors of buildings straight to the ground floor and just boom, knocks him the hell out. And... As this happens as well, well, you might think, okay, is that enough to get Arlong? I don't know. In tandem with this, because of the impact and Luffy's anger and determination to set things straight and free Nami from this prison that he is quite literally in for her right now. All of Arlong Park, this giant, this giant big old like pagoda-looking building, falls and collapses on top of Arlong as well as he is like lying face up in the middle on the ground on the first floor now that he's been kicked down there. The whole park just crumbles and everyone is on the outside just watching like, oh shit, is Luffy going to be okay? But at the same time, the park goes down as does uh, a flagpole that was actually standing at the top as well that had their, you know, obviously very symbolically the the Arlong fish flag falling down. Luffy kind of does it in and uh, the commercial break happens right there, obviously to build a little bit of suspense when that cuts back in. We kind of just see every, everyone starts to come to and just see like, is this the end? Is this it? Did he do it? Eventually everyone's just like, where's Luffy? Where's Luffy? And then finally from the ashes, Luffy pokes his head up in the rubble and he gets up. The first thing he yells is just like, Nami, you're my friend. 
but he says it using like nakama is the word and then now he's just like thank you and then everyone kind of just has this realization that it's like yeah he did it like luffy actually luffy won boom fight over are long defeated but yeah luffy wins the fight he drops a whole ass building on him after dropping him down a few flights of stairs basically and he has more or less freed nami from her her map drawing prison um and has altered the fate of their village there a net good and then everyone starts to kind of come to as the building is falling like a, a rock drops on zoro's head under like the rock that he's taking a nap next to it's kind of kind of weird but that's what wakes him up because zoro of course he get woken up like the, by that everyone else is kind of like oh thank heavens you know and like usopp is making jokes like oh yeah cheer for luffy because i know you guys don't want to cheer for me because i was too intimidating just you know everyone is celebrating what is characteristic for who they are but as this is happening goro ratface nezumi marine captain comes in he's like oh well 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 who would have expected all these pirates to win right like you know you guys are just some no names but you managed to clean up these arlong pirates from terrorizing this village and i guess we'll be taking all the money for that since arlong is not going to take it and everyone's just like what the fuck who are you you know kind of a thing and zoro comes out of nowhere and he's like hey don't ruin people's fun asshat and he just starts beating up the marine captain and his other commanders and he obviously gives you like, oh, you won't get away with this kind of response, but they're pirates. They're going to do whatever they want. And Nami walks up and he's like, hey, this is for digging up Belmare's tangerine patch and also trying to take my money. And she just starts whacking him with her uh, bow staff extender stick. I forget what her. Oh, uh, Cla- no, no. I was going to name her item she gets later. But Nami's staff that she has now that she uses to fight, she just gives him a good old set of hits with it and knocks him out into the water. And it's funny because... Genzo is watching her from the back and he's like do that a thousand times more because he's just sick of the marines and all the different clutches that everyone has tried to hold on their village but she pretty much just tells Nezumi to get the hell out of here clean up everything from the pirates because it was your fault for letting them run wild here and like leave this village alone and he's just like at this point you know he has no choice that all happens and then we uh, kind of just see him scuttle off into the distance and everything kind of just ends up being pretty chill, at least for the moment being. But yeah, everyone in the town and the village starts to just go around saying like Arlong Park has fallen. Like, you know, we're free. We're free from the, the enslavement of these, you know, ruthless fish pirates. Um, and then even in the end, Genzo as well just says like, damn, who would have thought we'd be, you know, saved by pirates? And then you get like one final flashback of, Everything that's happened from the moment Arlong showed up to town to, you know, how everything was going down with them and, you know, what led everything to take place the way it did now. But also uh, the village doctor, Nako or Nako, he also makes a comment, too, that's like, yeah, Belmer can finally rest in peace. The village has been saved. So, yeah, everything is pretty good. And you just see some cute scenes of like, Luffy and the gang starting to, like, laugh together and joke, etc. And it's it seems that Nami has finally been... You know, obviously relieved of her worries and feels like she can start like just being herself. So after that, we see what happens to good old rat faced Nezumi. He goes back to his little office that's shaped like a giant mouse head, because of course it is. And uh, he dials up Marine headquarters on their little snail phones that they have. I don't know if we've talked about the snail phones. We can talk about that in a minute. But uh, the episode ends with him, you know, just yelling over the phone to the his superiors being like hey you need to print out wanted posters now there's this asshole named luffy he wears a straw hat 
and he beat up the Arlong Pirates. He's going to be pretty dangerous. You guys better, you know, put a bounty on his head because he's, you know, without obviously leading into the fact that he beat the shit out of them and he was also kind of a scummy pirate taking bribes from the Arlong Pirates anyway, but that doesn't matter. What matters is Luffy's now going to get a wanted poster and it's the first one we see for our main characters and he also has a very, let's just say, out of place and smiling face in terms of a picture that was taken and that's that kind of just sets the tone for it's like that's the kind of pirate Luffy ends up being and that's where the episode cuts off to be continued. What do you guys think of this big finale for when you said and this is just some random thought i had when you said get the hell out of here uh during one of the things i was like oh man that reminds me of uh home alone like the 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 movie that kevin plays and and they're like oh yeah just leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here and <laughs> i couldn't stop thinking about merry that. christmas you filthy animals yeah, I, by the way exactly um but other than that this is a really fun way to end arlong park i'll be honest with you that this first arc just in general of of being east blues and quite my favorite arc so honestly to get through this is like oh man it's like a weight off our shoulders it feels like in some cases um so but it's a good way to go out and i'm glad they beat up some fishmen but uh it's definitely a memorable time you heard it here first, folks. Steve is a racist. He hates fishmen. I didn't say that. I mean, Luffy's did it first. That makes it fine, right? That's how that works. So, and we're going to get into it a little bit more for the next few episodes, but I, I'm going to assume that eventually we'll see more of Johnny and Yosaku, who are kind of like the One Piece version of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, just like showing up around the main characters and having some like witty asides or stupid asides in the background. That's a good prediction. I guess we'll have to see how that one turns out. No, there's not much to say. Actually, I was going to say there's not much to say. There's a lot to say. Are they using fucking Gary from SpongeBob as telephones? Yeah, so we'll talk about this now. Depending on how you're watching it, whether you're using doing it sub to dub, you'll see the snail transponder phones or the denden mushies as they're called yeah you're basically just using gary as a phone sometimes they have little cute pocket ones and really cool pirates will have ones that like look like them i forget if the tech is explained i feel like it probably is i might actually just look up a wiki entry on that right now after i mute my mic to cut away to what you guys discuss but yeah so this is like a weird I guess, example of technology that, like, is in the world of One Piece and, like, how technology works on, like, weird... I don't want to say... There's higher tech things in the world of One Piece. Like, there's eventually... Not to spoil it, but uh, we will eventually come to a nation that is made entirely of, like, modern floating boats. Like, it's a it's a man-made island. There's crazy shit that does show up, but there's also very, like, rural and, like, I don't want to say backwater, but, like, not as high technology places mm-hmm. the scope and scale of like technology can vary vastly based on islands and like a more more or less how well connected they may or may not be to the world government um but yeah snail phones are definitely a thing i will look that up but yeah that's that's something cute and fun yeah and they come in all different sizes they're like all the way from like 
like slash said like pocket ones to uh, I think they have ones that like broadcast like uh, bullhorns basically. The wiki page says the Denden Mushi are a species of telepathic snail used for vocal and or even visual communication throughout the world. Uh, they have the mysterious ability to telepathically communicate with each other uh, through electromagnetic signals. They can also perfectly mimic human speech, which is how their phone capabilities kind of work. Yeah. For generations, people have taken advantage of these abilities by attaching dials, receivers, and or other accessories that convert the creatures into long-distance communicators. So basically, yeah, everyone's just like turning Gary into an iPhone. That's what it is. <laughs> you want to break it down like that. If you want to look it up. That's kind of fucked. Just look up uh, look up, look up, up Den Den Mushi on the wiki page. There's actually, it looks like there is some tech. I forget when it's described specifically. I know there is an arc later in which, let's just say we meet some smaller friends and they actually live amongst wild snails. And they, you, I think that's when they start to kind of explain that a little more. But we'll get to that at another point far off in the future. But yeah, so there you go. Snail in your pocket. Yeah. What's better than a slug? I think my only other thought too about this episode was so... I watched this one twice. I figured that it was just like a good end to the arc, but uh, or I guess two quick things before we move on, unless you guys have anything else. Was um, so I actually thought this fight at first, like when I watched it, um, this episode, rewatched the episode originally, was a little less like climactic than maybe I would have thought because like you don't get a big old like long drawn out brawl. Like obviously when you've had several episodes where like everyone squares off about different fishermen and like Luffy's been fighting Arlong for an episode or two, but. It's not like a big old, like, you know, long, drawn out, knock down, drag out brawl, like where it's just like him, punt, like, every, you know, not like a, a Dragon Ball fighter, like, I don't know, like a Yihaka show fighter, just like even like Naruto. It's not like a big, it's not a, it's not like a multi episode spanning set of just like dudes punching each other, which like bigger fights do happen in One Piece later on and like longer drawn out fights where there's like a lot a lot more action per se, but it's really just like Luffy kind of wears down Arlong a bit and takes some like, you know, heavy shots and they take some good pokes at each other. But it really, at first it was just like, Oh, he just kind of drop kicks him and that's it. But then watching it the second time, it kind of hit my head. that was like, Oh no, he drop kicks him down an entire building and then drops the building on him. It's like, I think that's uh, okay. And then like Arlong has been fighting all day too. So naturally he's be worn out. So it's like, okay, I think that feels a lot better now that I thought of it in that perspective. So that's the thing. Um, and then lastly, yeah, the use of like Nakama as a reoccurring, uh, I guess, synonym for, or like stronger synonym for friendship is a, a very key, I guess, theme of One Piece, which I think like Oda even goes on to like, explain in like parts of the manga. He'll do like side footnotes at the end or different things like that, just to make sure you people have the right context be like for how he's like using friend versus just saying like, oh, you're my friend versus like, oh no, you're my like comrade sort of a difference would be, I guess, like the English way of distinguishing but anyway those are my final thoughts on that episode good stuff yeah i want to talk about the fight scenes so far in one piece basically and how you know in like the joke in dragon ball is just like it's a build-up for like i don't know seven or eight episodes and then they finally release the kamehameha well this is much more like Dragon Ball is playing checkers while One Piece is playing chess. There's a lot more plot going in on some of these fights 
and there's a lot more moves and techniques and therefore it makes for i would say a less drier uh fight and makes it much more cinematic and moving and overall fun well that case it is my turn with episode 44 setting out the smile farewell hometown kokoyashi village so after they beat arlong they decide to call a three-day holiday on the island. The father revenge child, the one that was just so hell-bent on killing Arlong personally, decides, hey, I want to meet the guy that did what I couldn't do. So he asks Nojiko who it is, and she points at him and is like, hey, it's that guy wearing the straw hat. And revenge kid's kind of just like, oh, he's kind of goofy, but that's Luffy. So we... Get a cut to the doctor, Nako, who is treating Zoro's wounds, and he's kind of pissed because they're going around saying, hey, don't you guys have a ship's doctor? And Luffy says, doctor? I never thought of that. Good idea. But we need to get a musician first, right? Continuing whatever weird trend that Luffy has of wanting a musician. Nami, Genzo, and Nojiko visit Belmare's grave. And while there, Nami asks if Belmare would have let her join a crew of pirates if she was still alive. Seems wistful, obviously, because she's thinking of her long-past mother. But uh, Nojiko and Genzo both imply that Nami has already made her decision. Genzo says, live your life. It's what Belmare would have wanted. Zoro and Sanji catch up during the celebration. Oh, hey. You're parting too? Yeah. Cool. Off in the distance, you see Usopp on top of like a tower leading all of the villagers into chants and cheers and songs, talking about how great he is. You know, he even says, Let's sing about me. Revenge Kid gets seriously philosophical in that moment, and he's talking to Nojiko about the nature of choice and responsibility and how now that Arlong is gone. And these pirates are presumably leaving. The villagers are going to have to take it upon themselves to take care of their village. Do another quick cut into the doctor's office, and we see that Nami is asking Nako to do the best that he can to remove Arlong's tattoo from her shoulder. And he says, okay, I'll I'll try, but it's probably going to leave a scar. So we get a flashback, and we see little Nami crying to Nojiko saying, I hate this. It's like he owns me now because she has the Arlong tattoo on her shoulder. We cut forward a little bit in time and we see a teenage Nojiko who has gotten a tattoo of her own to try to alleviate Nami's bad feelings about the mark. So when Nako is just about done getting rid of Nami's old tattoo, she decides to ask for another one, and she hands the doctor a slip of paper with uh, what we're going to assume is the design that she made. So we're cutting back to the party, and all of the villagers are dancing, and you see Johnny and Osaku just really cutting one loose, and, uh, you know, Usopp's still yelling out songs. And then we cut 
back to Belmare's grave. And you see Genzo pouring one out for the homie. And he thinks about how when Belmare had joined the Marines, she had told him, don't bother trying to stop me. My mind's made up. And Genzo's thoughtful reflection on, um, you know, I don't know if they'll ever fully say it, but it's kind of implied that Genzo might have been in love with Belmare. So he's having this reflection and it is interrupted by Luffy because of course it is. And Luffy's hands and mouth are both stuffed with food and just like <laughs> asking about more food that can be found. And Genzo's like, this is a grave, goddammit. Shut the fuck up. Be respectful. And he's like, oh, sorry. And then Genzo gives the standard hurt my orange-haired surrogate daughter and I'll kill you speech because, again, he just kind of has this feeling of what Nami will decide. So the party is finally coming to an end on the third night as the villagers somehow, maybe they had like really good ecstasy beforehand, but the third night is when they finally start to crash. And you see Usopp trying to lead them in the 300th song about how great he is, but everyone else is just like sleeping. And we see Nami in her house and she's dragging a giant bag of treasure through and she leaves it in her kitchen with a note. And uh, we get a little bit of a flashback cut into this while also having Nami look around the room. And you see Belmare and the girls celebrating the family coming together and you see a storm that starts to ruin the crops and Belmare is telling the girls, hey, be strong. We're going to get through this and everything will be okay, but you need to be brave about it. Then we see little Nami talking about how she wants to be a navigator. And that is roughly when the flashback part ends because you see Nami looking pensive saying, it's just like you told us when we were children. Be brave and smile and nothing will be able to stop you. Every map I draw will be for me and nobody else. And she looks up and at this moment you see Belmare sitting at her table and Nami just kind of has this moment where it could just be in her head, but since this is One Piece, it could also very well be a ghost as far as I know. Maybe you guys can tell me about that later. But yeah, so Nami gets that little bit of closure that she needs, I guess, because Belmare seems to be approving of whatever choice she will be making. So it's the next day. It's bright and sunny. And the Straw Hats are stocking the Mary with provisions, and they are ready to go. And Johnny and Yosaku are just like, okay, well, uh, it's been a cool time, I guess, but like we're going to go somewhere not as dangerous as you guys. So they go off towards the other end of the island, I guess. It doesn't actually say where they're going. Johnny and Usaku leave, and the Straw Hats, Sanji and Usopp in particular, are debating about whether or not Nami would, and more importantly, whether or not Nami should join them. Because Sanji's just like, yeah, yeah, she's definitely coming. Yeah, why wouldn't she come? And Usopp's like, well, I mean, she doesn't really need to anymore. You know, she got all the money that she needed and she doesn't have to like 
fight for the village anymore. So we see Nojiko walking up to Genzo in this crowd, just watching the this crowd of villagers that are just watching the ship and watching them all getting ready to leave and stuff like that. And Nojiko tells Genzo, yeah, she, Nami left all 100 million berries in our house for the village. That's what she said in the note. Genzo and Nako and the other villagers is like, she's leaving all of this money for us? And then we just, out of nowhere, hear a yell of, set sail, and Nami wants Luffy to just be ready to fucking leave. The ship starts to move a little bit, and you see Nami sprinting for the vessel. It appears so that she can leave without letting the villagers thank her. So she's running and running. She's kind of like checking people as she goes, just like, get out of the way, a few elbows. And everyone's like, Nami, why are you doing this? Just be cool. Just let us thank you. Until Nami jumps up and just barely lands on the ship's rail of the Mary. And she turns around, faces the crowd of villagers, and smiles as she drops, like, literally everyone's wallet from that crowd. Because when she was, like, running past everyone, she was, like, pickpocketing them as she went. And she's smiling, and everyone's like, God damn it, Nami. We fucking love you. Have fun. And everyone's just like, well, there she goes. And it is at that point that Naka reveals what the new tattoo that Nami had asked for was. And it is a tangerine and a pinwheel. After Nojiko asks Genzo about his pinwheel, he says that he doesn't need it anymore, and we are treated to the Genzo pinwheel origin story, which will probably be another series on Disney+, Plus because they just announced a shit ton of them today. <laughs> and you see, I guess, Genzo's face is too scary for baby Nami. So Belmare and Nojiko are just like, you got to be like nicer. And Genzo's like, oh, well, what about this? And he puts the pinwheel on top of his hat. Both Belmare and Nojiko are like, that's not going to work. But you see baby Nami just smiling and laughing and letting Genzo get close. And that is the end of episode 44. Any thoughts? Man, they're really hating on my man Genzo. They're like, you're too ugly. You need to do something about your face. So kids don't cry at you and this man is like oh let me put a pin- pinwheel on my hat <laughs> i'd be like fuck them kids yeah man michael fuck them jordan kids. their ass oh jesus but like yeah man and this is genzo before getting cut up and shit yeah i was gonna say we we see genzo mostly this is just like normal faced genzo for anyone who may just be listening and not watching if you don't want to look this guy up it's just a guy but imagine he has like drawings that look like he has like stitches like stitch scars going more like around his face and he got those from you know standing up to the fishman it makes him look battle scarred now that he's like older but before that it's just him with the scruffy face and a mustache i say sporting a mustache right now but yeah, they're just like, ah, oh, nah, dude, you you gotta do something. This baby won't stop crying in front of you. And he's like, well, fuck me, I guess. Put a pinwheel on it. That's his best bet. I hate how they're like, oh, this man's ugly. Man, that's not nice. 
But yeah, other than that, it was a great episode. Lots of deep meanings and lots of family ties and all that. And it's kind of a nice time to leave off on Nami's backstory. Yeah, I agree. I think it's like it's like the bow tie on the end of it. Most of the arcs, especially the bigger ones, have kind of like a like an epilogue segment like this. Like they do their best to kind of tie up the loose ends. Like even the little detail where it's like at this point we've seen Genzo enough that we've almost stopped to question the fact that like, oh yeah, he just got a pinwheel in his hat. Who cares at this point? Like he's just like we we've gotten used to it because we've been here for a minute. But, you know, you have to remember that early on, Luffy was the one who was like, oh, like, why this guy got a pinwheel in his hat? Like, that's like the one thing he noticed when, like, the town was going to be torn up. He's like, who's this weirdo? But like that it actually has some like very cute and significant context, I think, is a nice little like send off to the whole arc of it. Let's see. To, to answer questions from earlier, too. So like, the like not ghost mom push of. Belmare kind of like kicking Nami out the door is um I think that's more just like supposed to be a metaphor sort of a thing I, I mean that happens in like film too but it's just you know he's, it's not quite the Paul Walker driving the car right next to you but um you know it's it's, it's like that notion just uh it is now time to go you know whereas before obviously Nami had to protect the village and like make sure Everyone was okay, and she had to, you know, make sure she earned her keep and earned her money. But now, at this point in time, it's like, yeah, no, you can head out the door and have your own adventure as well. Don't think there were any other thoughts I had, but yeah, no, just a fun end. Oh yeah, no, and it's just like I'm not sure if there was ever like an implied relation between Genzo and Belmare, but I, I can definitely see how that could be interpreted, just because it's like, I think to me, I always saw it as like they're both like the older folk in the village and. Well, some older folk in the village and how like he was just there as like one of the village leaders and was always helping her kind of raise the troubled kids, I guess. So there's, there's I can see how there people would say, like, oh, there's there's maybe something going on there. But um, yeah, nice, nice, nice wrap up overall. And it, uh, someone like Steve said, too, this is pretty much marking the beginning of the end as far as our, our trek through the initial like East Blue or arc, as it were. Um Going back through all this, I actually personally enjoy these segments. Um, I thought this would like drag at first, but going back to watch some of his earlier stuff and just seeing like the little bits are just like, um, they're not bad. I, I think this arc specifically is probably the strongest because I mean, you learn about Nami and you see like, this is just an early example of how like Oda's like writing style kind of ties in where it's like he'll introduce a character and have them like you know take part in significant current events and then eventually you know you'll learn more about them and then help them resolve whatever their own personal conflicts are to you know benefit the group but as well as you know benefit themselves and everyone grows together and like their bond strengthen but yeah so fun fun ending to probably my favorite segment of the the east blue over arc yeah for sure that wraps up episode 44 We still got one more episode. Episode 45. Bounty. Straw Hat Luffy becomes known to the world. So, these guys are out on the boat. And they're just sailing along. Who the hell knows where even, actually. They're sailing at this point and going around. Dinking around. Well, next thing you know, Nami, she's like looking through the newspaper. She just bought a newspaper. And she's like, oh, man. He's raising prices of the newspapers. Absolutely terrible. Absolutely horseshit. 
And she just complains about it, complains about it. Just wait until they pivot to video. Yeah. They're really going to be hurt then. Usopp's like, what are you worrying about? You don't even obsess over money anymore. But, you know, Nami's like, nah, she doesn't want to be poor. Yeah, I'm going to be money-wise. I was like, okay, well, when did you start to become Little Miss Stocks and Bonds over here? Usopp's like, oh, whatever, okay. And he goes back to doing his own thing, and he's uh basically re- restocking his Tabasco star, one of his little special bullets. So he's filling his stuff, his really spicy sauce, and he's like, yeah, any guy gets this in his eyes, it's over. He's done for. Luffy just comes by and is like, bump. Sorry there, Luffy. I mean, Usopp has Tabasco sauce in his eyes, or picante sauce in his eyes. And it's pretty comedic, not going to lie. Anyways, Luffy's walking by, kind of hungry. So he walks to these tangerine plants, which happen to be on the on the boat. I think there's two tangerine trees. And he takes a tangerine from the fucking orchard that Nami planted. On this ship. Like she did not plan it just for his fucking leisure to be like, oh yeah, let me take a a nice tangerine. Nah, you know Nami's going to beat his ass or whatever. Because Nami's just kind of like that. A little high tensions. They're all kind of just like, okay, here we go. But then all of a sudden, we pan into a different place. And it's a bunch of these marine people, aka sea cops. And the marine, like higher up people, are kind of discussing the threat of Luffy and the Straw Hats and how much danger they pose. And they're just kind of being just shitty, I guess. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, hey, he's beat a few people. He's beat like uh, Buggy the Clown and, and Don Krieg and Arlong and. So this man's got some uh, some hidden ability underneath him. And they're like, well, you know, we're going to start him out. We're going to start him at 30 million berry bounty. Say that three times fast. 30 million berry bounty. 30 million berry bounty. 30 million berry bounty. Yeah, that's a hell of a lot of berries. A hell of a lot. You know, you buy for 30 million berries. Three-tenths of Kokoyashi Village. Wait. No. What do you mean, no? Wait a minute. I think your math is wrong. Well, wasn't the... Because Kokoyashi was... Wasn't it 100 million berries? No, it was 100,000, wasn't it? No, 100,000 feels too low. I could be wrong, but... I thought it was 100 million. I know it was 100-something. I think it's 100 million. We'll look it over later. Yeah. My math could be wrong. The Marines are talking. They're like, uh, you know what? We got to take guys like this down because they're pieces of shit. We're going to be the defenders. We got to offend the sea. And you're giving this rousing speech. It's just like, oh, man. Shit is boring. Then break into a montage because you know what? We flash over to a. To a simpler people, we flash to Mary as he runs up to the stairs. He's trying to run to Kaya. Kaya, Kaya. To show the bounty poster to uh, Kaya and, and see who's on it. And wouldn't you know, it's Usopp. 
granted, it's not Usopp's poster because Usopp doesn't have a poster yet. In any case, he was in this photo and his head is like completely 180 degrees away from the picture. Like all they got was the back of his head. And they're like, oh man, I'm so proud of Usopp. He is in a wanted poster now. You know, it's literally the back of his head and someone else's poster. <laughs> like, man, this guy knows how to get into places. Kaya is like super excited to see Usopp progressing in his goals. And she just hopes that she stays on the same path he's on. And, and they hope they meet soon. And we also then flash to Kobe. And Kobe sees this poster of Luffy. He's like, yeah, that's Luffy. I'm so proud of him. He's grown taller. He's still kind of wimpy, though. But, you know, he still loves Luffy in any case. So it's kind of like, oh, yeah, that's like my idol. I hope to fight him one time. But, yeah, go Luffy. But in the background, you'll see Helmetpo. I forget what he's doing, like mopping the floors or some bullshit. Pan into Captain Morgan and Captain Kuro and... The Barati, as they also learn of, of Luffy's newfound bounty poster. And so it's like, oh, I see he's doing real well. Good for him. Good for him. What a great montage question mark. We pan back into Luffy. Because they're all in the boat and they're like, ah, it's Luffy's poster. And Luffy just starts laughing like a madman at the poster. Usopp's like, yeah, there I am on the poster. And Sanji's just kind of jealous, like, eh, he's only back of your head, you fucking loser. Get a life. Ugh. Only Nami and Zoro kind of seem worried for the crew's safety, which is fair. It's warranted, I guess, in some cases. But they have some valid concerns, and so that's pretty much that. The male bird makes its way to the immortal Iron Fist full body <laughs> who has been demoted because of his scuffle from the Barati. Because this guy is just like a douche, basically. And you see his big old wall of bounty posters and whatnot. Okay, for sure, for sure. And uh, in learning about Luffy's bounty, he's like, he gathers up his full crew of misfit marines to Capture the Straw Hats. What do you know? They're sailing right by right now. Boom. There they are. There's his opportunity. What's full body going to do? Is he going to grow some balls and take Luffy down like a good sea cop? Luffy and Usopp kind of just diss full body ship and they're like, Yeah, your ship sucks, loser. Yeah, he's right, you know. Your ship sucks. And then the Marines start opening fire. Holy shit, what the hell is this? We don't need this kind of bullshit. But you know what? It's so dope. Soro comes up and fucking cuts a cannonball in half. How about you? I've never seen cannonball cut in half. This man is goat. For our older viewers, goat means greatest of all time. Greatest of all tubacabras. Yes, exactly. After this cannabis fire, full body and his crew board the Mary for a fight. But they're quickly beaten down. Because you know what? To the former lieutenant's horror, Sanji is pissed as cooking is being interrupted. 
So this man goes on a full fucking rampage, kicking ass, literally probably kicking ass because he doesn't use his hands. And uh, it's like, yeah, man, what the hell? Why are you interrupting my cooking? Piece of shit. And that's how Full Body is defeated. So basically Full Body is a wimp. But then we pan into Mihawk. These people, they're out there looking through their binoculars, which is kind of weird because I think they should have a spyglass instead of binoculars. But you know what? Whatever. So anyways, they spot Mihawk and he's sailing towards this island. And they're kind of shocked, like, oh my god, it's Mihawk, one of the warlords of the sea. He's looking for a pirate captain. And we kind we of start to see some more notable members of the crew. Of this pirate captain's crew. And just as we're about to get to it. We gather that it's none other. Than red hair shanks. You thought this bitch was dead didn't you? You probably didn't. But you know what he's not dead. Hell no he's not. He's out here on an island. And so Mihawk comes up to. Red haired shanks. And he brings this little piece of paper. And. Shanks opens it. He looks at it, and it's the poster for Luffy's bounty. And you know what? He kind of smirks, and he's like, ah. I see Luffy's making a, his way. Luffy's made it. Everybody busts out and enjoys laughter and is ready to throw a party. And Shanks is like, yeah, let's have a party. Yeah, let's drink, Mihawk, let's drink with us. Basically, it's kind of like, oh, shit, well, time goes on. They get lit. Everybody's getting lit, even Mihawk himself, because they're just, like, trying to get lit as hell. Pan back into Luffy's hometown, and everybody's celebrating Luffy's big bounty, except for the mayor. He's going around, ran everybody's parade like a, well, to be... Since it is the holiday time. A Grinch. Just because he's kind of just like that. Although he's not green. He's white. But you know. He's got that attitude of a Grinch. (laughs) But yeah. Anyways. He's going. 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 Kind of sits into the bar. And he's talking with. uh, The barmaid. I forget her name. Beans with an M. Masinko. Yeah. Masako? Masako, yeah. I was going to say, Masenko is Gohan. Yeah, no, that is like the second time you've said Masenko referring to this character. Damn, I just keep adding an M. But yeah, they go, the mayor goes and talks with uh, Masako. Yeah, Masako. And they're like, oh, are you happy about living? And mayor's like, nah, this kid's still a nuisance. And it's just like, okay, well, whatever. The crew is nearing the Grand Line. However, they must pass Reverse Mountain. But before that, they decide to make a first make a stop in Logetown, where the King of the Pirates is born and executed. Before that, we're shown two vessels sailing on the ocean. What appears to be a raft. Well, it might be a ship that we've 
previously encountered. We go into this dark room, and it's this woman holding Luffy's poster. I assume it's a woman, because she's wearing fingernail polish and is showing her uh, her legs. This woman smiles as she looks down at Luffy's poster, almost as if it's kind of familiar. To be continued. That concludes episode 45. Uh, I enjoyed this one as well. This is what this episode does and kind of giving us like snippets of the rest of the world as like the interim between the next major bits of happening. Like this happens a lot in the series going forward. Um, I almost kind of like enjoy these more somewhat night being like, I enjoy the big arcs, but like, because these give us info dumps from so many different perspectives, they're always so, I think they're often like just the right length, especially like there's a very recent one that happened where there were like a lot of goings on in between like the two, like the previous major arc and the most recent major arc. And there's a, there's a bunch of things that usually happen in between a lot of these. And we will often be shown way more like perspectives as we go along. But right now it's kind of nice to see like, yeah, here's all the, fools we beat up as we went along our journey right now what's everyone up to kind of a thing whether it's you know seeing kobe or seeing morgan in jail or seeing the other pirates yeah that's cool and then also you've seen shanks and mihawk that's cool like that's like damn shanks must be a really cool guy if he can just hang out with hang out with mihawk so anyway uh that's a fun episode as we as we transition into the the end of east blue yeah it's the end of the beginning or it's the beginning of the end. Who the hell knows? Well, 900 plus episodes more or whatever says it is not the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. That's a good, astute observation. I like it. I want to go back to uh, the bounty posters in Full Body's cabin. Mm-hmm. So you recognize some of them as uh, pirates that we've already encountered. So without spoiling too much, because it doesn't really like go into detail about those posters. Uh, are we going to see any of those people? The ones on the wall, I actually took a second to stop and look at that while he was doing that. I want to say they're just randos. Yeah. It's not like when Luf- or Nami dropped the stack that like Johnny Damn. gave her. It's like, oh, there's Arlong's picture. Who's that? It would, no, it wasn't not like that. I, th- I think those are just randos. Yeah, I saw some picture. I saw one of the posters, and it was like Gullass. And I was like, I've never heard that name. I never noticed those before. So, no, unfortunately, I don't think so. Just wait until fucking One Piece chapter 1030, and it turns out he's the real villain all along. Oh, yeah. This is the next part of the arc. (laughs) Who the hell is this guy? Oh, he was on a poster. Steve? Yeah. You were correct. It was 100 million berries. Yeah. You get a new car. I get a brownie point. Yay. I don't have much to add. Uh, The mayor's a hater. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like this might be it for us this week. Steve, you have anything to plug? I still got Twitter, the bird app, but yeah, you can get me at Steve, S-T-E-V-E, 
Hornyak, H-O-R-N-Y-A-K. What about you, Slash? It's the same for me. Um, Twitter is still, as always, at RobLink. I've been taking a little bit of a streaming break the last couple of weeks to finish up. I've been a lot of studying for the GRE, but I have now taken the GRE. I am on the other side of that. So streaming is most likely going to resume in the coming weekends and weeks. Uh, so if you want to follow me over my Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash RobLink. Uh, same kind of nonsense. Lots of old video games. Lots of Lots of fun. You can find me on most social media with the handle at El Tubacabra. That is E-L-T-U-B-A-C-A-B-R-A. You can find the show on Twitter at Reluctant Cruise. You can email us at ReluctantCruise at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram at Reluctant Cruise Podcast. Have fun on that cruise, everyone. record again right now okay i'm already i'm already recording and talking so that's fine that's okay we'll figure it out but anyway here clap yay it's one piece hold on cover you recording oh i was not okay well i'm recording now so fuck it it, boom this is where you can patch uh Okay. I'll figure it out. Fuck it. Uh, slash. Okay. And then I, I'm assuming we're doing this again. Oh, no, 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 no wait. Because we are, we are like, I already introduced you. Introduce me again, but that's okay. Or you can just cut this out. No one will know. If they do know, then we're here now. Technical difficulties. <laughs> are you wearing headphones? Yes. Should I not be? Because I, I think I can hear myself on on one of you two. I'm, my headphones are quite far from my mic, so I do not know. And my, my yeah, yeah, this is Audacity is recording off the Yeti, so I don't know. I, my, my little headset mic isn't doing anything anyway. You heard it here. Yeah. You heard it here for... God damn it. We'll tell my awkward Boy Scout story on another episode.